Our gospel reading today is the story of the transfiguration according to the book of Luke. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my Son, my Chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. May God bless our understanding of this remarkable story. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am drawn to the story of Christ's transfiguration like a moth to the flame. In the Gospel of John, Jesus claims that Jesus, Jesus claims that he is the light of the world. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus actually glows. It's mysterious and beautiful and a little weird. The first time I ever preached on this text, I happened upon two commentaries on the Transfiguration story set in perfect juxtaposition. The first, read the story of the Transfiguration and envision yourself with Peter, James, and John as you read. Experience the emotions that have welled up within you. And then, the second commentary said this, It is no good inviting the congregation to envision themselves there on the mountain with the disciples. It taxes the imagination beyond credulity. Well then, on that mountain, through the eyes of Peter, James, and John, we witness a medley of glory and confusion that is probably beyond imagining. Jesus takes on a transfigured shine. Elijah and Moses stop by for a midnight chat. 
and the disciples are trembling with terror. In the midst of this mountaintop experience, a cloud overshadows the whole mountain, and the sweet, thunderous voice of God speaks. This is my Son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. It is easy to miss the terrific depth of the transfiguration. Glory is a difficult concept for us to wrap our minds around. The glorified Jesus emanates the presence of the divine source of all light and life and love. This is not a fireworks display or a cinematic special effects trick. This is God dramatically and purposefully breaking into the ordinary brokenness of creation. God can and does show up, and nothing is ever the same. God will continue to burst into history, transfiguring and redeeming the whole of creation through the glorious light of Christ. Of course, the moment is fleeting. Peter's eagerness to build a dwelling, a, a tabernacle, to memorialize the moment is this desperate attempt to capture it and make it last forever. But God's glory cannot be contained any more than God's voice can be recorded and squeezed onto a podcast. The moment ends, but the commandment that descended from the heavens remains. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. We might not have been on that mountain seeing what Peter, James, and John saw, but even in their sleepy haze, they preserved the most important piece of the whole story, God's commandment to listen to what Jesus actually had to say. This commandment is intimately related to the transfiguration, bound up to the revolution, the revelation of God's glory. By listening to the beloved Son of God, we glorify God. By spending time with God in prayer, our own faces might be filled with the light of the Lord. And this is how a seemingly supernatural story gets very practical. There is a reason for the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not born in Bethlehem only to die a violent death on Calvary. If that were the case, the evangelists wouldn't have bothered to document the parables and miracles that Jesus shared with his people. The gospel story would be completely alien, utterly empty, without the gentle, ordinary, glorious voice of Jesus speaking a new word to creation.
Listen to him in the moment of glory. And listen to him when you go down from the mountain into the terrain of the ordinary, into the realm of suffering. So our reading stopped short of what I believe should be part of the transfiguration story. It is the story of what happens the next morning. They come down from that mountain and are met by a frantic man. He addresses Jesus. Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So, the response from Jesus to this desperate plea is actually kind of cranky, but to be fair, the man was up all night. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And then, Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his grateful father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. It's hard to listen to the harsh words of Jesus in this passage. But we have to understand that Jesus was frustrated because the disciples had not listened to him. Shortly before this powerful story unfolds, even in the same chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had given the disciples power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. Yet, they couldn't. They were powerless because they didn't believe that Jesus had truly given them the ability to do powerful ministry in his name. To doubt the gifts they had received from Christ was to doubt Christ. Jesus descends from the peak and responds to the crisis. A wise theologian once noted that the glory of God's presence and the pain of a broken world cannot be separated. What good would the incarnation be? What good would the transfiguration be if the light didn't reach into the deepest valleys of suffering? The chosen one, the Son of God, brings healing and wholeness to a broken and hurting creation. Jesus Christ is the light by which we see, the hope by which we live. And ironically, 
It is the demon in the valley who reminds us of the divine commandment on the mountain. After all, this destructive spirit listened to Jesus' rebuke. Jesus commanded it to release the boy, and no sooner had the words left his lips that the boy was released from the vicious grip and made well. The charge remains. Listen to him. Listen to him throughout the contemplative season of Lent, calling you toward a life more closely aligned with God's shining love. Listen to him as you pray. Listen to him as you work. Listen to him as you rest. Listen to him through the relationships you nurture with friends and family, even from afar. Listen as you read the pages of sacred scripture. And listen to him when you read the pages of the newspaper. Again and again, listen to him. And by the grace of God, let what you hear empower you to glorify Christ Jesus, the light of the world. Amen.